Damo, you big sweet tooth. Yes, MP, you chocoholic. So naughty but nice, we're a hit at the Wellness Summit and I want more. Well, how does 20 recipes in their free ebook Heavenly Healthy Desserts sound, MP? Jeepers, Damo, I'm loving that. Or you can hop on down to their brand new cafe, Selection Cafe in South Melbourne and receive 10% off your favourite healthy desserts. Woohoo! To do so, go to sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch and fill in your details to receive your free ebook and discount voucher. That's www.sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch. So naughty but nice, delicious nutrition. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the fabulous co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He is the mover and shaker of all things superfoods. He's Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, mover and shaker. Hey, MP. I was expecting something better than that. Well, you were, but other things that I had in mind, you were expecting. And so I had to come up with something that was relatively unexpected, <laughs> albeit not as great as... Probably the, the second worst one I've ever had. That's but all right. You are a mover and shaker. However, <laughs> there is someone else who is a dear friend of ours. Oh, she moves and shakes. You know what, though? Before I introduce her, wouldn't it be great to have our next guest with us in Ikaria? Oh, who is she come with us? Well, it's, it's, I think it's, around, it's getting close to her birthday time then. It's not exactly her birthday, but it's actually... Oh, it could be actually. It's getting close. The 2016 Greek Island Ikaria Longevity Retreat, 10 days in paradise with Doma and myself. Maybe our special guest if she shouts herself a trip to Ikaria. June 20 and 29, go to 100notout.com, 100notout.com. Now, Damien, our guest today, a very special part of 100 Not Out. We've interviewed Sam Gowing on 100 Not Out prior. If you'd love to know more about that interview, go to thewellnesscouch.com. Sam Gowing is the five-star spa chef Right around the world. We're talking the four seasons. We're talking Gwangana. She is the author of That Healing Feeling. She is the founder of Food Health Wealth. She mm. is the beautiful Sam Gowing. Sam, welcome to 100 Not Out. I never know how to reply other than with absolute attitude of gratitude. And that'll be the bell right on time. <laughs> <laughs> it's two out of two. We've had the two bell ring. Boom, Have you got boom. someone at the front door? Is that um, some bread it's in like, the oven? It's something in my oven and it's not a bun. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I Two fabulous people on this call today. This is great. All right, Sam. I want to, we want to, our listeners want to know what you're up to because you have been uh, doing all things uh, superfood demo. I'm about to step all over what I said that you were going yeah, to talk about. You've already so, done it. You've already done uh, it. Just keep, keep going. Off you go. Keep, keep going. going. I'm going a million miles an hour. Unbelievable. Uh, Sam, oh, dear. you and I were having a good d <laughs> about the superfoods and what makes a superfood super. You are taking this to the next level by doing a fair chunk of research about this. Would you be care to share with our listeners what you are doing around the superfood market? Well, I sure will, guys. So this is the pointy end of my uh, master's degree in gastronomic tourism, which I've been pursuing for over three years. Awesome. And I'm hoping that it's actually the last subject, which means there's about, there's about five more days of study once I press send for this assignment. And so it's an industry research project, so it's kind of like a mini thesis. And my focus of study and research is who makes a superfood super. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested, and I know you guys um, are as well, about Who's driving this bus? People think it's nutritionists and and GPs and wellness components and so forth and authorities, but 
as I dig deeper, I'm really looking at, you know, the consumer versus the marketer. What do you think? I reckon it's Dr. McCola. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I reckon. <laughs> Hey. I think my I think it's David Wolf. I'm putting my hand up for Mr. Wolf, who I love, mind you. But I think David Wolf has very much been behind turning foods into superfoods. Mm-hmm. Anyone else would like to mention? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, obviously David Wolf. Yeah, he would have done it. I reckon um, for a long time it, we would have had. Who's the guy with the cowboy hat? What's his name? Well, Don Tolman. Don Tolman. I reckon he would have done a bit of that. In his time, made some superfoods. He obviously talks about the doctrine of signatures and that sort of thing. So, you know, he started to find out that walnuts are good for your brain because they're shaped like a brain and so on and so mangoes forth. Mangoes and, yep, mangoes yeah. and celery and all the rest. So maybe um, that could have been the beginning of the superfood thing when you looked at the doctrine of signatures. I don't know. Was it? Was it, Sam? Yeah. Found out where all of this started? Well, I think it's really valid because my, my journey into wellness goes back only 15 years, but 30 years in food. And it was when I started researching and studying formally food as medicine and the first lecture was about the doctrine of signatures. Uh, and after 15 years in the restaurant business in Melbourne, I could have wept. I was like, oh, my goodness, you mean there's more? There's more <laughs> than just, you know, a la carte. And it really motivated me and it really um, stimulated all my food as medicine teachings. And when I heard, I guess, the hashtag superfoods, I started teaching superfoods at cooking classes around Australia maybe six, seven years ago, and then all those ingredients started to come into more fashion. But the ingredients I was working with are beetroot, wheatgrass, turmeric, broccoli, and all what I call the powerhouses. They weren't coming out of imported packets with Ziplocs. What do you guys think about that? Well, I love it. I, I mean, I think what makes a superfood super, not who makes a superfood super, because obviously that's um, innate intelligence that actually makes um, superfood. Oh, now super. you're going deep. Thanks, now you're going deep. Through my supervisors. What's that? I needed to call it who makes a superfood super because that's the industry research. Yeah. So, but obviously, I mean, there's no, there's the creator that actually made it super because all foods that actually live, I think, are super. But the reason why I think things get classified as super is because of the nutrient density or a specific function that we can identify with a particular food. But remember, at one point, soy was a, a superfood, right? So we thought that soy was a superfood because of the genistine um, and then the isoflavones and had all this sort of stuff that people would benefit from. But, you know, what can heal can hurt. And, we, you know, we now learn that in isolation, some of these chemicals may not be ideal. So, for example, kale, which is one of the biggest superfoods we've had for the last couple of years, everyone's been on the kale bandwagon. You know, it's part of the cruciferous vegetable family. And, of course, you know, from a medical perspective, um, having raw kale all the time, if you've got a thyroid dysfunction, that could be a challenge from a thyroid. Oh, you two get on so well. You two get on so well. This is great. So why do we have to go with superfoods? Why can't we just eat all good food? That's what I would love to know. Well, Marcus and I were discussing this earlier in another another, um, platform today, and then I had the great pleasure of speaking with our beautiful colleague, Dr. Nat Klingudis. Oh, Natty. All of this just a, just an hour ago. Huh. And Natty and I had a great chat and we talked about, you know, I asked her what, who and what makes a superfood super and she kind of gave me three keywords, which is what I really need in so far as data and coding, which is special, ancient and unique. And she looks for evidence of change, you know, so in a, from a prescriptive level, is it actually working? You and I can have... Kale to the cows come home. Hopefully it's been steamed before we eat it raw. But is it actually making a difference or is it just making us bloated? 
like a dead cow. Well, this was, I mean, this was really the whole um, evolution. I think I was talking to you about this today, Sam, like with Sarah and I going vegan for seven years, we became superfood heads. We turned into a superfood. <laughs> Everything was full of spirulina, and chlorella, soy. Goji berries. Um, goji berries. Oh, my gosh. Blueberries. What Blueberries. Else um, everything. Maki. Tempeh. Mesquite. Lacuma. Lacuma. Cat's claw powder. <laughs> I've still got the cat's claw powder that we purchased in probably 2008, and I still don't know why it's in the pantry, to be Just honest. Cat's claw, he's got four legs, so I've got lots of claws. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good for upper respiratory tract infections if you want, so get into that. But as I, as I said to Sam today, we've gone superfood mad because if, you, if you're eating all the superfoods in the world, but you hate your job, your relationships suck, you don't move your body, you're not learning and growing, and you've got no money, and you've got absolutely nothing else except your superfood diet, you're clinging onto the wrong stuff. Yeah. People are trying to get the – this. the superfoods become the new fountain of youth. Oh, well, if I have my green smoothie, I think we said this today, you don't find happiness at the bottom of a green smoothie, as Sammy said. I did today. <laughs> I did. I did, actually. I did today. I went to Holy Bowly and I got my green smoothie from there. And at the bottom of my Holy Bowly was a superfood called coconut. And there you go. I got my coconut <laughs> oh, at the bottom of my green smoothie. I was wrapped. That's very valid. That's, we'll, we'll play that, mate. That was happiness. <laughs> We will. And coconut, as it is, has become, I mean, that is the all-dominant superfood. It, is, it, is, it has transcended all types of food manufacturers now. Where yeah. I mean, I'm not a victim to this, a victim to this. I'm at the top of this. We've got coconut oil, shredded coconut, <laughs> desiccated coconut, coconut, flour. coconut water, coconut flour, coconut butter, coconut butter, like a coconut yogurt. Oh, have you ever co- tried coconut jam? No. Oh, wow. Wow. You can die what with else that. Is, what else is, we have everything except raw. We, we don't have any raw frigging coconuts in ours. We should, we've got everything else that's imagine been having, done. Imagine actually coconut. having a coconut in your house. Uh-huh. That. That's, that's a bit, that's a bit antiquated. <laughs> I mean, I beg to differ, Marcus, because I don't know that there's any superfood quality in coconut. It's just, you know, there's only two or three different nutrients. But that's what I'm saying is we have, we have succumbed to the marketing of a product which has transcended all different manufacturers and all different types in so many different ways, where we all think that it's the bee's knees. Mm. We're putting coconut in everything and we're going, this is great. Mm. <laughs> Unless you're but, Irish and you're getting itchy eyelids because you're eating too much coconut. That's right. You know. and as I listen to you guys and as I've taught for many years in my cooking school, you can only heat coconut oil to 177 mm. degrees. So we, you know... We burned that myth out of the water, didn't we? Hey, hey, excuse the pun. That was punny. <laughs> hey, um, Jamie Oliver's on board with us now. Now it's going to happen. Oh, good. What's he said? He said that coconut oil may not be as good for us as what we all thought. And so um, you watch. Watch everyone now because Jamie said so. We've got to get to the front of this bandwagon. We've got to actually be – we've got to be the – We've got to drive this We've got to drive it. We've got to be there, Sam. Yeah. Can well, we let Jamie take, us around? No, driving okay. on Can we just get him from the front row, perhaps? Okay, <laughs> just cool. passing him, passing him the good message. But yeah. on this coconut, on this, on this superfood, uh, what, who makes a superfood super Sam? I think, and I don't know. I think you, you mentioned it earlier, but marketing for superfoods has gone out of control. Like if you look, go go past every health food store now. There's a different poster for every different superfood, whether it's acai, whether it's the latest berry. There was noni juice and noni berries and all kinds of other juices. But everything is now in the marketing where people are now driven 
to essentially find out what the next greatest hit is. And people have got the FOMOs. They've got this fear of missing out on the latest and greatest superfood. And most of that surely has to come from marketing. Look, absolutely. Years ago, I wrote a piece for a local paper here in Byron Bay that that, uh, was titled, Are Organics the New Parada? And now I look at our superfoods, (laughs) the new Chanel. You know, this socioeconomic statement of walking down the street, thrusting a green smoothie wherever you go, is it more as a fashion statement for some people, for some of the demographic, not at all, not all of them, than it is for its um, efficacy of what's in the bottom of the jar? Mm, Not bad. Well, I mean, when you look at where... When you look at where a lot of, I suppose, stores pop up, but then I would say, well, there's a certain there's a certain demographic that that would spend money on their food, like you know, I was just spoke you to Damo about this, like you spend well, heaps. I, I put it out there, we spend four hundred bucks a week on food. I don't have a problem with that. Like Sarah loves it, but I've got friends. Sarah loves food, so I'm not going to stop that, right? But we've got friends that would they they scoff at that, like how can you spend so much money? On food, but then I could say, how do you spend so much money on alcohol or going out or betting or uh, clothes or whatever else? It's all just a values decision, isn't it? Yeah. It's um, all relative. But I think what we're also seeing, sweetie, is that, you know, we're looking at a hijacking of nutrition when it comes to marketing. Mm, we? So, so looking at, uh, you know, what perhaps we learned and we practiced and we, we teach clinically and share clinically um, through our experience we're now seeing that those principles have been completely hijacked through marketing and through social media. Yeah, so true, so true. And, well, social media has been a shocker for that. And there's so many people that just have become insta-famous by saying stuff and championing you know, high-quality photos on their iPhone 6 and whacking that up on Instagram and saying <laughs> that all of a sudden they're now nutrition experts because they comment on stuff that um, the marketers can really easily get access to a marketplace by just getting someone insta-famous. Oh, absolutely, and I think that's really the under the underlying issue. Unfortunately, that's a bigger um, issue than I can write about in my uh, my little research project. But it's something I hope to eventually do a thesis on, because I think it's so relevant that we're driven by, you know, this marketing and, as you say, the insta the insta famous or the whole Instagram movement. It's like, okay, I'm drinking this green smoothie full of all of these superfoods that I've read about, and I'm in a bikini. And I'm in a bikini with a flat stomach, <laughs> bananas, not so much the, you know, edible bananas, that is. And this is what I think you should do, or this is the message I'm conveying that will make you look like me. Or I quit sugar and I was already good looking. So, you know. Oh, bang! <laughs> you know what I mean? She rolls away from the desk on that one. <laughs> All I'm saying is that, you know, the thing is, with the, it's the marketers that are making this, and all of us on this podcast, all three of us on this podcast would agree that all real food is superfood. Surely we'd agree on that. Thank you. Amen. Oh, podcast think- over. That's all we need. That's all people need to know. All food is superfood. And this is the theory that I'm, you know, working on. I'm developing a theory of superfoods, and all food is super. Sorry, thanks for that. <laughs> I can knock off now. <laughs> there you go. You don't have to make it 35,000 words. It's There it is. <laughs> can I talk about something here? Because I, I get really excited about this topic, Sam. Because I, and I love that you're doing this. I love it. I'm so wrapped that you're writing this article because it challenges people's thoughts. But the one thing that I love to think about is the life force in food. And we I don't know yet how we measure it. But everyone talks about energy in food. Uh, in terms of calories, so they talk about 
kilojoules, joules and calories and all this sort of, and they measure the units of fuel and they, they presuppose that fuel equals energy in the body. It's not directly translatable like that because the 1,300 calories of a cake is different to 1,300 calories of salad, right? That's what we In, in terms of what happens to the body. And, and it's not because um, the cake doesn't have the same nutritional value as the, as the lettuce or the salad because you could, if you wanted to, put all exactly the same vitamins that would be otherwise normally present in the salad inside that cake but you could case, fortify it, Damien. You could fortify it. You'd fortify it with a B12, some folic acid, you know, and it'd get a heart tick and all those sorts of things. And everyone would be really happy. Still 1,300 calories, delivers all that, you know, fabulous, you know, nutrition, macronutrition. But the salad still makes you feel different, still makes you feel better. And so there's a really big difference there. And I'm trying to, I want to find a way that we can somehow. Um, easily talk about it in a scientific way so that it's you know evidence based because otherwise unless it's scientific you know it's not evidence based in Australia because we're so freaking black and white. Um, I want to find a way that we can talk about real food in terms of its energy value without referring to kilojoules and calories. Have you found something like that yet, Sam? Well, I've talked at length about this for you know well and truly nearly two decades and I haven't got the science-based evidence as yet but certainly where I'm moving toward is the bioresonance. You know, as I I said to Marcus earlier and I just said to Nat as well, it's if I was to sit with you guys, break bread of whatever kind or break broccoli as we might say here. Gluten-free bread, yes. (laughs) Keep my bread with Vegemite, of course. That's right. Um, You know, (laughs) How happy does it make us feel, you know? I've always talked about food and happiness and the vibration of sharing food and eating on your own as well, which I do a lot because I travel a lot. Mm, And that makes me happy to sit in a great restaurant. Even if I'm in New York City, I'm on my own with a billion other people. I'm still having a great time. Mm. That helps my happiness, that supports my happiness, which in turn supports my digestive fire. Because I'm in that parasympathetic, parasympathetic response. That's right. No sympathetic fight or flight. I love that. And particularly if you eat with your shoulders sitting back. Woof, that's powerful. And if you put rose-coloured glasses on, that's even better. <laughs> so, you know, dampen down that sympathetic response. I just drink, drink rosé out of coloured glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that. My, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I mean, obviously, Sam, um, you and I have probably been working in this industry for about the same period of time, but that whole energetic principle of food has been forgotten. Um, so much so that people are still trying to, you know, ignore counting calories, but they still do it because, you, yeah. know, you know, they're conscious of how much fuel they put into their body. And my feeling is that you don't really need to be conscious of how much fuel you're putting into your body if the energy in the food outweighs the fuel that's in the food. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and that's a concept that, you know, a lot of people will struggle to get. And I think that's just a part of the process. I think that's part of, you know, it's almost Darwinistic. It's um, a little bit survival of the fittest, but it's also evolutionary about tuning in and you don't have to be a, a yogi to understand that. It's about having that connection with produce mm-hmm. and having that connection with how you want to eat that, on, you know, where you eat that, what, what capacity you eat that, who you eat that with. So... I'm going to ask you the question that you asked me today, Sam. Mm. What's going to happen next? Uh, if we're going to work out who makes the superfood super, what's going to happen in the next uh, five years around this? From a marketing perspective, I think, you know, we talk, we touched on this briefly. I think, you know, the, the superfood hashtag will get a bit more momentum and then drop off. I think clean eating will always be there, but 
the, from the land, I've been working as an ambassador for Landcare um, just recently, and this return to food, this paddock to plate, this farm to fork, this awakening and this realisation that we want to be able to see where our food's coming from. And as we talked about a property here in Byron Bay, Marcus, you can see where the lettuces are growing. You can see where the animals are, are being kept. And you know that there's a holistic and uh, all-encompassing all supply chain that you're slowly waking up or we're slowly waking up to. And that's okay. Yep, absolutely. So, Sam, yes. I'm going to talk before Marcus interrupts me. I was just going to ask... In your thesis or in your research project, mm. industry research project paper, what have you learned about this superfood thing? What's actually what's real about it and what's not real about it? Who's driving who's driving the bus? Well, there are two things that are really clear, and of course one of them's the oil, um, the cooking oils, the trans fats and so forth, which is a whole other body of study. It's not really under the superfood umbrella, it just keeps moving in there. But as I kind of downloaded to Marcus today, you know, most of the cacao that we see that we are receiving or you might purchase across the world is not is heat treated. There's still an aspect of heat and cacao is sold off as a raw food or it's know, incorporated right? into smoothies. Raw or cacao. Where do you get raw cacao from? Like seriously. In my research, and I'm not going to divulge it yet until it's published. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> there's only one raw cacao press in the whole world to my knowledge and what I've been learning and that's certainly not in South America. Mm. So, you know, I learned that the, the cacao beans are sun-dried um, and that can be at any variable temperature and then, of course, there's a processing in order to extrapolate um, the bean from the pod and then the pulverizing of the bean. My feeling is around that is that for there to be enough sunshine and enough sunlight and enough drying hours in the day, the land would have to be absolutely massive so you could have all of the cocoa beans lying out so that they could dry naturally. Um, I, d I don't think it would be a sustainable practice um, in terms... Well, not sustainable, not, not sustainable, but I don't think they'd be able to supply the world with the number of cocoa beans that we now demand um, if it was all raw cacao. Absolutely. Couldn't absolutely. You know, I couldn't agree more. And, and a lot of the ethics that come into this... Um, is obviously the food miles, you know, what are the fair trade practices, what are the farming practices, how are the staff maintained and so forth. We might be having superfood X, Y and Z from one region and yet the working conditions are abysmal. Quinoa you know, from Bolivia, let's call it. Quinoa from Bolivia, cashews from Pakistan, dates from Iran. That's what you're talking about. Absolutely. And so, you know, what I always talked about years ago was when the, the apricots are coming from Turkey, they're sitting in Australia, usually I believe in Melbourne originally, in dry dock, you know, in quarantine. And so what is the bioforce or the bioresonance of that non-organic conventional, non conventional apricot by the time we ingest it on the streets of Sydney Road or at the Victoria Market or, of course, in a supermarket packet anywhere in the world? Oh, Sam, so much wisdom, so much wisdom. What, who, who or what, who makes a superfood super? It's been an incredible discussion as always with you two on board. Thank you for your wisdom. Now, everyone, if you want to know more about what Sam's up to, I can highly recommend, as I have and I'm sure Damo has, go to foodhealthwealth.com, uh, register for Sam's email updates. If you want to know more, all of the data she's been collecting on who makes a superfood super, should the surveys chock a block, can't take any more data, but to find out 
what it all means to learn about more about what Sam's up to. Go to foodhealthwealth.com and register there. Sam, thanks again for joining us on 100 Not Out. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Damo, thanks again for your wisdom on this edition of 100 Not Out. We remember, folks, we would love to hear your feedback. There are a number of ways to provide it. The best is to go to the website with thewellnesscouch.com and you can click on 100 Not Out and you can click on all 17 podcasts there. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And remember, there's always that number one show, The Wellness Guys. Until next week, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.